Courtside Indiana podcast is brought to you by Metro Indy Basketball Fall League. The 14th annual Fall League runs from Sundays, October 11th through November 1st. For more information and to register, visit MetroIndyBasketball.com. Also, Box Out Sports, the best sports graphics platform. Built for speed and control with your organization in mind. Try it now for free at BoxOutSports.com. Welcome to episode 35 of Courtside Indiana Podcast. As always, this is Jim Reamer, and as always, joined by Zach Tyler. Zach, how was your week? Uh, another good week here at school. Uh, Northern Indiana, back in the classroom was nice. Uh, finished up soccer for the last Sunday here, so soccer's done. Froze my tushy off yesterday, but it was good. See, you're much nicer than I am. I would not have used the word tushy. <laughs> I definitely would not have used the word tissue. What's so before we get, we're going to talk a little bit about COVID, what it's doing for capacity limits and things like that. After we get, um, well, we'll, after we get through the, the updates, let's say, well, let's go through the updates and then we'll conjoin, we'll conjoin what I was going to say with the the topic you, you brought up earlier today. Yeah. uh, Off air. and, And we'll, we'll talk about both at the same time. So, Go ahead and get us updated on the offers. No commitments this week. So basically it's just what, five offers? Five offers, yeah. Five offers. Uh, one from the 2021 class, Jaden Thomas from International. Uh, got a Trinity, Trinity International offer. So that's NAI school in Chicago. Um, then we have three 2022 offers. Cademan Bontrager from up here by me, Lakewood Park Christian, the Indiana Tech offer. So that's close to home for him. Braden Smith for you down there in Westfield, Montana offer. Leland Walker also down there, North Central. He got the DePaul offer, DePaul, Chicago. And then the 2023 offer was to Joey Brown from North Central also, IUPUI, hometown offer there. Yeah. We've already recorded happenings from yesterday's fall league games and Spoiler alert, we talk about Leland Walker and how brilliant he was. Um, so I, we'll, we, I won't double dip that. Um, Braden Smith was was fantastic yesterday as well. I, you know, I think with him, Leland's no different in this regard. I, I think both of them are going to have to battle the size issue as far as that next level jump. I mean, if you're, you're looking at Braden as – a definite mid someone that high should look at, then the question is going to be, how does he fit in size wise, especially defensively Leland Walker, the same way. Now Leland will have to answer the shooting question as well. And his shot is looking much more fluid um, as he's each time out. I mean, not each time out, but each gap in, in times watching him play, like going from the school year to watching him in the summer and then watching him in the summer to watching him now his shot just gets more and more fluid as he goes. Um, but Leland's the, the athletic, the athleticism jump is just, it's, it's not even fair sometimes. Um, you know, we got into a debate a couple of weeks ago about who was more athletic at the same age, Leland Walker or his now new head coach, Jason Gardner. And, as much as we old timers, God, I'm an old timer now. Shoot. Um, 
as much as those of us that saw Jason play in, in you know high school and even to some extent middle school um, remember how athletic he was it's tough to know who's more athletic even in a even in a what was a joking debate but one thing is clear is Leland's freaking athletic and <laughs> and so under control through his athleticism again I'm not we Later in the podcast, you're going to hear more about him, so I'm not going to go into too much depth. But like I said, spoiler alert, we, we sing high praises of him later later in this episode. So Joey Brown's kind of the surprise offer. I, I, I suppose at this point you've not seen him play, which is kind of where I'm going with this. Yeah. He's been injured, and he's just now getting back. He's interesting in that he's 6'5". He's pretty skilled. He's thin, so he's going to have to really improve his body physically. And – you know, you would, you would question, go answer or ask me what you would ask me earlier off before we recorded about, about the IUPUI situation and the kids that are recruiting or have recruited. Yeah. Basically I was just talking about whether or not, uh, or, or how hard, I guess, coach Garner used to recruit indie kids, local indie kids, and whether or not that was a, that was something they wanted to do or if it was a lot of times a thing where they would rather leave town and get yeah. away from town. Well, certainly the proximity issue can be a positive or negative. I mean, a lot of these guys, you know, you go to college, you want, you want freedom. You want, you know, you want some autonomy and you, you want to make your own way a little bit. That's part of the college experience. And, and also as so, and some kids obviously want to stay close to home, but they want to be far enough away from home that they still get to experience that. Um, for that, those guys might go to Ball State. They might go to Indiana State. And IUPUI loses those battles almost any time. No question, Jason Gardner, no question, Todd Howard uh, recruited the area well, but they went through some of the same issues that Butler did too. Butler had a hard time getting – uh, getting kids out of the city. We had a part of the pod. We had one of our podcasts earlier talking about DJ Hughes and the, the symbolic importance of his commitment, not, and as well as Jaden Taylor's, you know, with Marion County kids and for DJ, how important it was for him to represent Indianapolis while playing at Butler. While there was a perception of what Butler was to Marion County kids, there's also a perception of what IUPUI is to, to local prospects. And that is very much that it's a, a commuter college. It's way less of a commuter college than it was when I went there, but it's still sort of their athletics program are sort of adrift because they, they don't play their home games on campus. By the time they finally got their home gym on camp, that was on campus to the point where it was sort of a home court advantage it's still a pretty generic looking gymnasium except for some graphic stuff that they had put on the wall. They, and they did a great job with it. And then they moved it out to the fairgrounds and it's almost too big of an arena for, for the crowds that they draw. It's no different than some of the stuff we see on ESPNU or ESPN two, or, you know, late at night, you know, or of, of an evening where you see some of these small non high major programs you just see smaller gyms and smaller crowds and in IUPUI's case those last few years of coach hunter at the jungle which is what they called their gym which was simply just a regular 
you know, high, not even a regular high school gym, but they had done a nice job with seating. They had done a nice job with color scheme. They had done a nice job with decorations, uh, bringing in DJs and things like that to, to handle the dead time, like timeouts, half times. They had created an environment. I think moving it to the fairgrounds has kind of, it's a cool place to play. There's a lot of history in that building that really mostly has to do with like the Pacers and, right. and the Indiana- Indianapolis racers, which was our original hockey team. Well, at least original to me, hockey team, you know, the Coliseum on the fairgrounds is, is a cool place, but again, they may only have 900 people in what is a 5,000 seat gym, 5,000 seat arena. And it's just, it's not a very lively audience. So yeah. And when you're not on, when you're not on campus, you're not getting students there either. Not as easily. Yeah. You, you know, and there are more people that live on campus, way more people that live on campus yeah. or, and there's definitely way more people who live near campus. Yep. I mean, yep. Indianapolis is Indianapolis started changing that way. When I, when I was done, when I finished college in 94 and a lot of that had to do with the popularity of the Colts and, and, and basically the revitalization of downtown. But, you know, again, we talk about Joey where he's got some physical maturation things he has to shore up as well as just getting healthy and being able to stay healthy. I think this is one of those offers, too, where as he projects out, if, if this is the level he goes to, then I think IUPUI has a major leg up. And I so I applaud them for being aggressive. Um, I think there's a lot of kids in this class that are right there at that level uh, and, and the wing. The, the wings are the strongest positions in that class. The twos and the threes um, are, are the, the, the deepest positions in that class. So, you know, they're striking early. And, uh, you know, hopefully the schools get more aggressive with, with these 2023 kids as they start to maybe flow more into varsity play and, and, and get a chance to play. But, you know, again, these were kids that didn't get seen at all this year. Uh, at least in in person by colleges. Um, so a lot of these dudes are flying blind and, and they don't want to throw out offers right now. So they're being outside of a couple of occasions, outside of a couple of instances, Jalen Hooks, Draven Gibbs. Uh, you, you're seeing schools really, really take a, a cautious approach with 2023. So at least right. in this state. So anything on Bontrager, Indiana Tech? I mean. Uh, that Another NAI offer for him. Yeah, it seems to be where he's settling in. He's got another yeah. summer to – I mean, he's got two more school years and, you know, one more school year before next summer and then before the 17th and under summer, and then he'll have a chance to play in front of – you know, again, he may be impacted by it too, by COVID, you know, sure. because there's a lot sure. of schools that haven't seen him play. Right. Um, Jaden Thomas, another kid that was has been recently injured, is, is coming back from that. He definitely was robbed by COVID. He is a true competitor. He's an extremely competitive kid. And I, I think if he would have had a, a normal summer, I don't know much about Trinity, Trinity International. So if he would have had a normal opportunity to get a summer, I still think you'll see some D2 schools get involved with him. A strong senior year, if he goes into the, if he goes into the school year without committing, you know, start looking for those guys to get more involved too. So, yeah, uh, Greg Miller's the coach at Trinity International now. So, Indiana tie there. Was he a tell me that tie? Uh, Greg played at uh, Grace. Okay. That's not the guy that used to be at Yorktown, right? No, not the head. He's not a former high school coach in Indiana. No, 
Not the same guy. Okay. Yeah. Different Greg. Miller. He All coached right. at uh, Cincinnati Christian too before it closed. Okay. And they, and he definitely recruited Indiana from there. So, yeah. Yep. Well, you'd, you'd mentioned COVID and, and how St. Francis and Bethel had come out with some of their capacity, some of their capacity restrictions and how they were going to handle it. We had a situation this weekend at the fall league where our South Bend, Mishawaka area group, we, we've had a team from up there the last two years. This was their third year coming down. And they basically had to drop out of the league the final two weekends. Some of it was relative to they had a limited roster to begin with size-wise because they had a couple of injuries. They, they had a couple more injuries. But then they also had a couple of coaches who had reached out and said, hey, can you just not play because there's a spike right now going on in, in – I think it's well, definitely St. Joseph County. And I yeah. think it's also Elkhart County. Correct. And they're wanting to, um, you know, they're wanting to make sure those guys are not getting out. I don't know if I were them, I'd want them out of that area. <laughs> but right. Um, we also had two. You know, Ohio also put Indiana on a quarantine list. So if you go into Indiana or come from Indiana, you, you're quarantined for two weeks, at least legally or officially. That cost us a kid who's playing in the fall league, but then another kid, I think, is kind of just going to go ahead and still play. But, um, you know, again, it's just there's no criticizing any of this. There's people do what they're comfortable with, and they understand how they handle their own safety protocols. And and if, if school coaches make that you know that extra request. Um, you know, they're, they're doing, they're coming from the, you know, a good place, even if I don't agree with it, they're coming from a good place and that's just trying to be as safe, safe as possible. But what's St. Francis, tell us what, what those two St. Francis and Bethel are doing. Yeah. So a little bit different. Uh, St. Francis is going to go ahead and uh, limit their spectators to parents and family of student athletes. Uh, and then the students of St. Francis faculty and their staff are also able to go to games They've decided that through December 31st of 2020. Okay. So that means that means nobody else can come uh, spectator-wise, uh, no opposing fans either. No, not even the parents? Nope, nope. Really? Yep. Wow. Well, I guess as long as they're all treated – Treated equally. Well, these are no; these are school things. These aren't conf- This isn't a conference edict, is it? This is right. Just no, this from- is a St. Francis. Yeah. <laughs> All says, right. Says no community members or opposing schools fans will be allowed to purchase tickets and attend games until further notice. Huh. <clears throat> and then, which is interesting, because then Bethel, I've heard, is allowing the two hundred and fifty. Is that what we're on now? Yeah, it's higher than that. It's actually 500, but I don't know okay. if they're treating schools differently. And, and again, I finish, finish your thoughts on that. And then I can tell you again, we can reiterate again, what, what we're, what we've had to do at Fishers. Okay. Yeah. Uh, when I had heard from Bethel, that they're talking about the 250 or 300. They're not going to go to the full 500. I think that you mentioned, I think they're going right. to still try to kind of limit, limit it, but I don't, I don't know of any restrictions otherwise, like, yeah. like St. Francis is doing. Yeah. The, so the, my Fisher story that I can relate was that about, well, four days leading into, into the fall league, we went into the state decided 500 people. It was actually 10 days before it was the week before the state went into 
what's that stage five where we could have up to 500 people in, in an assembly, you know, in an assembly situation, like a gymnasium, I assume churches fall in that category as well. Um, and one of the nice features about where we're hosting it was that they treated each gym like Fisher's has three gyms. They've got their varsity gym and, and two auxiliary gyms. So they're treating each gym as a separate capacity. Now, Fisher's then citing that since they are a school, they have different restrictions. I don't know if that was a Hamilton County restriction or if that was a state restriction. I didn't ask. It didn't matter because separate capacities, we weren't going to come close, even with good crowds, like normal good crowds year to, that we have every year. Uh, we, we weren't going to come close to capacity. So it's it's not been something we've had to worry about in terms of actual number of people rolling in. Yeah. Um, we're, so it's a little different than places like Grand Park or Finch Creek or Best Choice where it's literally just one room. We, we've been able to function with two rooms and that's helped. But even at that, even if it was just one, even if it's just one capacity limit for the entire event we still have been under uh the, the 250 in, in terms of total uh spectators now that's spectators i was told at two different levels we do not have to count participants just spectators and so but even including the players who were watching in between their games we still weren't getting more than 110 people in a room so so that's that's been good um from our standpoint but you know schools have different level of liability you know we're a third party using a school um obviously i've got insurance so if something you know something weird happens that's covered there the but but schools have an extra layer of liability because you know, they've got to make sure their facilities are safe and they don't have much turnaround time from the time school ends to when kids are participating in sports after schools, things like that. So they've, you know, they, they're, they've got a full day of school, then boom, they got a volleyball match. Um, but if you looked at the volleyball games last uh, Saturday night on video, just seeing some highlights because of all the media people we follow, those, those gyms were I thought those were pretty good crowd for volleyball. Maybe I'm, maybe I don't know much about how many people go to a volleyball match. I didn't see a lot of students, but it looked like it was pretty good crowd. Definitely more than two fifty. Yeah. Um, but that was here in Central Indiana. Now Evansville, they are the the county is basically limiting each event to two two spectators per participant. And I assume that's non-administrative uh, spectators. And I'm also assuming that's non-media. But that's not only for the, the Pocket City Fall League, but that's also for their school games. And then the school district came out and basically doubled down on that and said, yeah, we're only going to let two people per kid into events. Then what, what came out recently? Didn't something come out recently with with basketball and 
wrestling, and maybe that was the Evansville one. I haven't seen anything else other than what you're talking about with the Evansville one. There was one that <clears throat> said wrestling was going to be uh, be allowed to have more people than basketball, which, again, if you look at the total number of participants, probably makes sense. But if you look at total people that normally go to a wrestling match versus who goes to a basketball game, it's right. just didn't seem right. But, so what was the what was the Ohio uh, rule you were talking about? The state of Ohio basically put Indiana on a quarantine list. So anybody okay. that goes into or comes from Indiana and then stays, whether it be for vacation or whatever, um, or you know, even people that live there would have to be on a two-week quarantine. Now, so, I yeah. assume that's something that's going to be done on their honor. Right. Uh, that'll be interesting when the, the Crossroads League's go over and play Mount Vernon or vice versa. Yeah, I well they did they did um there is the work caveat there where if you are going back and forth from work then you've you don't have to worry about it. Yeah, cuz as far as I've know, uh Michigan is still making kids play in masks basketball wise. Are they really? Yeah, practicing and playing. Yeah, that seems counterintuitive to what they think how they think it spreads yeah so it'll be interesting to see what the other crossroads league schools do here in the next week or so because games are starting taylor already played a game this last did weekend they, did they really yeah uh bethel plays this weekend at home in the bethel bethel classic i think or shootout one of those two way down the list of bad things that's happened because of this. I mean, like way down the list is the fact that I'm not able just to up and go to whatever college practices I want. So I've missed that so far. I'm trying to set some things up, but I've got to kind of do it a week in advance. I, I love going to college practices and taking notes. So yeah, for sure. Um, I get a chance to learn different ways to teach things, different teaching points and then carry it over to, you know, whatever next spring is for me. So is that it really on that front that we cover that? I think we covered it. I think that was our, I mean, we've got 45 minutes on last night's or yesterday's fall league play after you and I are done here. We've got one more week of fall league. Then we start looking forward to the upcoming season. And then I think that's where some of the other content ideas that you and I have discussed will start coming out. In the meantime, we've, we're sort of piecing together. Yep. Yep. Some good stuff to talk about. So that was, yeah, it was good, good topic. I'm glad they came out with that. It gave us something to talk about because we're looking, f- you know, we're looking, I think the way football has gone, if basketball can go that way, high school basketball can go the way high school football is, has gone. I think for the vast majority of people, it'll be viewed as a success. Yeah, definitely. So, all right, Zach. Well, appreciate your time and and we're going to wrap this part up and move on to the fall league stuff anything else to close on before we go i don't think so all right man have a good have a good rest of the week and then we'll talk again uh, next monday and then once we get past the fall league we'll go back to sunday night recording deal all right man be good all right back recording with uh jd hall and caleb lynn um these two guys are uh, both 
young guys uh, working in in uh, local media in the Indianapolis area, and Caleb's with the Indianapolis Star, and uh, they both are with the uh, Running Hook Podcast Network, and, and J.D. has some um, of his own media as well, and you guys will get a chance to, at the end to talk about some of that. Um, we are week three into the Metro Indie Basketball Fall League, which is uh, the league out at Fishers High School that I, that I run, and these guys are helping me run it. And they're also doing a great job of watching kids and bringing a fresh perspective to all these guys. In fact, I had a handful of people tell me how much they enjoy your work, especially on the pod. Um, they, um, and we talked about that. You haven't seen a lot of these guys yet so that it's, you're learning them for the first time. And it's, it's good that um, you're seeing some of them and you're not basically like sometimes guys like me, like, you know, and some of my friends, Eric Gardner, Trevor Andershock, Nick Baumgart, all those guys that do this. Hopefully I didn't miss anybody. We all kind of have the same thoughts about most of these guys. And sometimes we sort of just regurgitate our own opinions. Uh, there's certainly a degrees of, of um, you know, we differ in some degrees in terms of what we think of each kid. But for the most part, we're kind of the same page. Um, so it's, it's good to get a fresh perspective from people and, and, and in some cases it, it validates, it validates what the other, the work that other people are doing, but it also, um, throws in some names that, um, maybe we don't discuss on a regular basis. So, but as we break up the league, especially the earlier part of the league, we're, we're definitely going to get into some names that, that people don't know about yet. And we're going to learn more about them as they get older. So, um, as much as I've talked enough, I, I want to start this off this week with just one name, and then we'll go back to the normal format of you guys talking about three guys you liked in each session. If there's some carryover, if there's some uh, carryover in between each name, we'll discuss it. And um, But other than that, I want to get one name out of the way, and then you guys can start – you guys can get going. And that's Connor Asijan. And, <laughs> I mean, I, I know all three of us watched him pretty closely the same game, at least one of the games, and I, and I know that we've all liked him, and we've talked about him each week. Last week I got a really good view of him, and I have seen him before, uh, but I didn't get a chance to see him this summer. So, like anything, you want to see how much he's improved. And, of course, last week he did not shoot the ball very well. Um, he does other things certainly well, but his his key thing is that he's an outstanding shooter. He can mm-hmm. score off the he can score off the dribble. And if nothing else proved last week, timing is everything, um, and it does underscore sometimes the recruiting process where a guy can go in, and I don't mean me, but I mean like a college coach can go in, and with all the things that he hears about a kid, and go out and just see a kid struggle. Hit, making shots, you start to look for other things. And that's what I like about Connor is that he, the other parts of his game don't break down. He doesn't start forcing shots. Mm-hmm. He, the shot still comes off his, his hands smoothly and easily um, or off his hands smoothly and easily. He's just an excellent shooter. And his shot mechanic showed last week that he's a great shooter. And then this week he was hitting everything and he went out and dropped 40 and 37 against, you know, by design, two of the top two of the other top teams in the league week three is basically your last pool game, especially for the older, for the varsity level teams. It's your last pool game. And then you uh, match up against the other team, like your mirror in, in one of the other pools. So with coach Adams's team, I'm trying to pull up some names here with coach Adams's team. Um, they played 
if I can get to it. Um, make sure you have your, you get a new phone. Make sure you set it up how you want it before you, <laughs> before you actually need it. Yeah, they play they play the first game. They play Leland Walker, Deontay Davis, and uh, Tavi and Davion Turner, and and I'm you know and I'm sure oh well CJ gone although CJ did get hit in the eye so he ended up leaving early and not playing the second game, and then in the final game last night. Um, they're playing against Coach Stowers' team, which is basically the Addicts kids and, and a Park Tudor kids. And the bottom line on that is that he's playing this game, you know, the type of athleticism they don't get at Central Noble on their schedule, the type of athleticism they don't see on a regular basis during the school year. And um, while he certainly sees it in the summer, I know I tweeted last night, I'm, a, I'm kind of a snob. I think if you can, you know, Indy is the difference maker. If you can do it against guys down here, to me, that matters. And um, if they played some of the bigger Fort Wayne schools, too, a little bit more, which Central Noble's not going to do, do that on a regular basis. But if they were to do that, he would have an opportunity to showcase what he can do against college-level athletes, and especially Division One-level athletes. And last night, he proved a lot against a, a number of division one athletes. When you've got coaches making adjustments in fall leagues, when you've got coaches screaming at defenders because they, they're not guarding him the way they talked about, or they're not guarding him enough, you know, whatever it is. And just to see Connor work and grind and get open and get shots. It, he was, he was impressive yesterday and lots of good performances yesterday, shot the ball extremely well. Um, but he's, he stood out. And, um, and, and certainly we're going to talk about the other kids that stood out too. So we can get to him later, you know, <laughs> cause I know you guys will, but let's, let's go back to our format we've been doing. Let's start with the uh, afternoon, the, the afternoon games and work our way up through the evening. Uh, Caleb, you want to start it off this week? Yeah, sure. Um, I mean, from the, the games that I was able to see, uh, there were, there were plenty of talent that I wasn't able to see. Uh, throughout the last couple of weeks, just because I was at uh, different games, didn't get to see these teams. So it was fun to uh, get to, you know, see some different guys. And uh, a couple of those guys for me that really stood out was Drake Moore uh, from Coach Dowers. I think Drake Moore's got a lot of talent, really uh, solid crossover uh, ability to really knock down a lot of shots off that move. Uh, he's got good size, uh, a lot of potential in that. Uh, and I think, I think for him, the key is just to continue to believe that he was the best player on the court, to be quite honest. I mean, he was facing Coast Johnson, uh, which, I mean, J.D. and I went on about uh, D.J. Beret. And, uh, you know, yep. I really felt like if I was only watching that one game and you told me, who did you feel like was the best player? I would say Drake Moore. And I would say that uh, pretty close. It, you know, it, it wouldn't, wasn't even close in the game that I saw him. I thought Drake looked really good. Uh, and I, I thought that, uh, you know, he very much stood out from the, you know, the people that I was able to see in the early sessions. Uh, I also thought that uh, Jack Wars from uh, Coach Porath, uh, really, yeah. really solid size. Uh, he's, Love he's good, that kid. Yeah, he's got a good top of the key three, uh, really good uh, look ahead passer for his size. I think that the key with him, I mean, I, I believe if I'm not mistaken, he's an underclassman. So, I mean, if he continues yeah. to develop in his size, I mean, we're, we're going to talk about a really nice big guy because uh, well, he, he's got very good instincts uh, that you don't really see. Fair. 
And uh, I, I thought that was just something that totally stuck out uh, from watching Porath and Bonds at uh, two o'clock. And then I also uh, was able to catch uh, Stars and Glenn at three o'clock. And, and I, I'll tell you, I thought a key that, that I think is really interesting, and, and Jim, I'd kind of like to hear your thoughts on this particular guy, is Jay Sean Bates, because the talent level of Jay Sean Bates is absolutely there. I don't think there's any doubt about it, but uh, there's moments when I watch him play and it just, it seems as if some of it's very lackadaisical. It's, he just has a tendency to get immediately turned off. I don't know what that is. I don't know if there's something that I don't know what that is. Uh, but the potential is very much there for somebody his size, uh, to be one of the better players in these early sessions. With that skill. Yeah. yeah, that's his motor. Um, and I don't know what list we're looking at. Um, I know something – he was inputted as a freshman, and he's a senior, I think, at Franklin yeah. Central. Uh, although he's at Tenley now. I do know that much. So, he has transferred to Tenley. So, um, yeah, whoever registered him registered him as a freshman. So, I thought, man, this kid's got tremendous size. For a freshman. I don't mean to inter- and I didn't mean to interrupt you, JD, but um, like I told you guys in the beginning, and I've told our listeners a couple times, is you guys, especially when with these fresh faces, you know, guys you've never seen before, and guys I've seen but maybe don't always don't always know. Um, sometimes we're at the mercy of data entry, and um, you know that's that's one of those cases. So the four and the one are right next to each other on a keypad especially if you're typing on a 10 digit keypad. So I'm assuming there was a little fat finger episode there and, and he was put in as a, as a freshman. And so I watched him the first week thinking that thinking, man, he's really good. Then I clarified it last week of what he was with him. And, um, you know, he's still, he's still skilled. He's still skilled for his size. And I think for him, very skilled, he'll, he'll have to change his body to, you know, if he wants to, you know, when he gets to college and that'll happen. Uh, I don't, you know, I don't know what's, what's there for him yet. A kid like that, that's completely under the radar who, who probably has the, the ability to have some of the, the skill set and, and size that he's got um, probably spells junior college. And I don't mean that from just an academic standpoint. I mean that from a re-recruiting standpoint, he'd spend two years being able to play and get it, you know, change his body and um and probably do so you know at the scholarship level and and you know he's going to have a bigger role at Tenley this year than he has have had that he has have at at Franklin Central um and, but Tenley's got a lot of talent too so he's still going to have to work his way up but um and the Wars kid from Blackford you know he, he's a little bit like his older brother I've got some history here they're they're formerly Carmel residents so I got to see his older brother play at a young age. They, they both have seemed to be early maturing. I, I've not seen Jack up up close and personal. He's probably a little more athletic than his brother. Um, but no doubt that his brother Max was 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 a you know definitely a kid to keep an eye on. And a lot of what you said there, Caleb, was depending on how much he grows. And that part of it, unfortunately, none of these kids control. But that part of it may may uh, be grinding to a halt here if he's the same growth pattern as his brother. But he's also got more 
skill and more opportunity to develop because I think he's probably a little stronger player than what his brother was at that age. But I've seen numbers. I, I know at least statistically he's been doing really, really well. Him and Strode from Frankfurt have both been doing well. So, yeah. yeah. So, J.D., go ahead. I'm sorry. You were going to speak. and Oh, yeah. I was uh, going to touch on Jay Sean just a little bit. Just yep. exactly what Caleb said. Like, when you look at him, the skill level that he has is pretty much he fills out wherever you want to put him at. A perfect a perfect small forward uh, type of guy. If you need him to knock down open shot, he could do it, bring the ball up the court, get down there and rebound when you need it. I, I think the biggest thing is sometimes he does look uninterested. Um, maybe changing the schools, he may find uh, a kid. A killer instinct, so to speak. Uh, he does seem like it's easy for him to check out. But with that skill level that he has, he definitely can uh, do a lot. Like, I seen, I seen one game where he shot nothing but threes. And I'm, if I'm not mistaken, he went like four or five from three. Yeah. And, and But he was facilitating the entire game as well. Bringing the ball up, fanning open, man. It was crazy. I'm like, they doing this with all their guards as the slashers because his ability to handle the ball. I really, I really like what he uh, brings to the table. I, I do hope that whatever it is that makes him seem like he he don't want to be out there as much. <laughs> Uh, really, really uh, rubs off because that kid has so much talent to me. Yeah, I, I like him. He's a he's he just, you know, sometimes too. You know, their demeanor matches the success level they're having in a game. Yeah, you know, he, he struggled. I was thinking that. Yeah, he he struggled shooting the ball when we played him, and you know he he turned in a couple possessions and so coach Glenn took him out and pretty much went away from him. And, and he's, you know, when you look at it, you think when he, you know, first you think he's younger, which that's, you know, again, that's just a flaw of data entry and not fully knowing who he was. But then when you look at it and you watch him play a little more and you see him when he has success and you think, yeah, he can be good. He can definitely be a, a matchup problem. Um, at, at a two way, at a two way, well, it could be a matchup problem anyway, just because he's got good skills for six five. He's 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 got a large, you know, he's a big kid, he's a strong kid, and if he could just be more assertive, especially yeah. on the on the uh, the offensive end, uh, mid range and in. Not that he not that he doesn't have three point range, but I think there's other ways he could be effective and can't stop be, him on the block. Oh. Yeah, and you know he'll he'll be playing with the Pinkstons and Billy Brown, and 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 Billy's going to get a, Billy's going to get his shots, and and Jaden Pinkston's definitely going to get his shots. Uh, they'll have other you know they'll have other options at Tenley. Aaron Humphrey transferred transferred over from Warren Central, so you know Aaron's going to be a presence. So it's not like he it's not like Bates transfers over from Franklin Central is going to walk into this huge role. He'll have more opportunity there than what he had the last year. Uh, or a couple of years at Franklin Central, but but you can see the inconsistency in him, and, and that's the part that has to change. And but it, but again, he could go to a junior college for two years, 
get two years of completely reshaping his body and, and really honing in on, you know, on a, you know, definite work, you know, competitive work ethic and, and see a kid that, you know, people are going to wonder what the heck they were thinking, you know, when he came through school. So, um, JD, anybody else in those early games that you thought stood out? I've got a couple names that I'll throw out there when you're, when you're done, but go ahead. Um, yeah. Were you finished Caleb? Yeah. Oh yeah. Okay. Okay. Uh, I gotta, I gotta show love to somebody else on that team. Jack Stevens, um, from Shenandoah. Okay. Uh, Man, that kid. Every every time I seen him play, he gets his shots. He he plays within the the flow of the game. He don't go out his way. So the first game I seen him yesterday, he was missing everything, and I just seen him every every chance he could. He going back during any any break, and he putting up he putting up shots, putting up shots, putting up shots. So the following game. It was as if he couldn't miss, like the turnaround that he had. But just seeing how consistent he'd been every other week, I knew he would find the shot. But I did not know he'd turn it out like that. Like it, it felt as if everything he put up was it just supposed to fail. He could do no wrong. He going to the rim, finishing at the rim, uh, very crafty. I didn't know he was that crafty. Uh, near the rim just because I'm used to seeing him shoot the ball and make passes. Uh, He made the right plays, but he really stood out to me, especially that second game, just finishing through contact, making an extra effort on defense, going down, stealing rebounds. Uh, But, but that, but the way he shoots the ball, it definitely stands out. Well, he, he's a, you know, Shenandoah is, going to be one of the top two or three 2A teams in the state, although they recently had a huge loss, huge hit to their chances this year as Andrew Bennett took an injury in, the fo- in a football game that may cost him his senior season of basketball. Um, I've heard two different stories. One is he might miss the whole season. The other one is he might he – sh- he could be back around January. I think without really talking to the family, I think some of that's going to be based on maybe how his surgery goes – how extensive it is once they get inside. It's a shoulder injury. Um, so hopefully he's back. But, but you know, they were the number one team in the state in 2A at the end of the year. And, and you know, the two bigger – the bigger names for them are Andrew Bennett and uh, Jacob Kinsey and, you know, Caden McCullough, Coach McCullough's son. Then this year they're going to get Mike Howard, who was a transfer last year from Hagerstown. Very good player. Yeah, so – you know, you know, Stevens who can hit shots, that's just one more option for them. Um, and then they've got, um, uh, shoot, I'm going to forget his name now. I've got to go look it up. Um, where is it? Talk to me. It's the younger kid. Um, which team? Smith, Jasper Campbell. You know, Shenandoah is still going to be pretty good. I mean, they're going to miss Bennett. Um, that puts a lot more onus on McCullough and, and Kinsey to uh, to maybe score a little more than what they've done in the past. But mm-hmm. but we'll we'll break down Shenandoah when when we get closer to the season. So JD, anybody else? But yeah, I the Scott kid definitely is the Stevens kids definitely is a good shooter and is a good option for them. So 
Anybody else, JD? Yeah, um, two more. One, um, Thomas Ricks from Fishers High School. So, um, as you seen yesterday, um, it was a team that only had four players. Yeah, that yeah. was that was his team, and they started off winning eight to zero. All eight points coming from him. Okay, Shot it was all that well. It, it was insane the 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 way he started the game. He he led the defense just talking on defense. He said, "Hey, you Travis Hill. Hey, we here, we here, we here." And then to come right back, he's down there getting the rebound, pushing it on the break, finding the seams just to get to the rim, shooting the ball from the three, getting air ones. It, it was it was amazing. It took a long time for the. Uh, for the numbers to really sway the other way. They were they were in the game and you could tell the numbers game started uh to to show just based off they were tired. He came out very flat the second half. Uh wasn't able to do as much, you know, then outside of timeouts he didn't take a break. But that kid he he really he he showed a lot. He showed a lot. I really I was really impressed. Um, that game went from seven to 30 in a hurry. I mean, they, they were up eight. Yeah. And then I looked over and it was tied. Then I looked over still, you know, still it was midway through the first for, half for a while. And then it just dropped off a cliff. Yeah. And some of that's, some of that's just fatigue. You, mean, you yeah, still get definitely, you, you, you lose a little extra battery life. Um, when you're always trying to recover. And there's just a lot more urgency to it if you're going to take it seriously. And and yeah, I saw it. the next thing I know, I looked over there and they basically were they Getting called it with about sixteen yeah sixteen <laughs> minutes to go in the game and it's just like you know why and yeah I recommend that they play four on four just, yeah they just they to want keep to. it competitive <laughs> and they, and still still give it a forfeit you know but yeah they I, had you know. the draft they definitely started off with the draft which is what was impressing me because. The coach already said, he said, um, Coach Forbes, he said, it's fine. We'll take the one man down. And all the players said, that's what we wanted. I said, what? And they everybody brought it, but they they were definitely led by uh, Thomas Ricks. And uh, my last guy, I had I had Jack Worse. I'm glad uh, somebody else see exactly what I be seeing. <laughs> but – my last guy, I, I I said it before, Donovan Scott from Crispy's Addicts. Yeah, this, this kid, oh, like he plays so cool to the point where I wanna I wanna see him just completely lose it, like maybe get a bad call or something just to see him <laughs> go, <laughs> just, just just go fully all out. I mean. It you was, are an anarchist in training, though, aren't you? Though, JD, you can listen, admit it, right? I, I, I am. I see the potential. <laughs> like one game, he had three blocks just being a help defender, and so I said, "All right, if he been this active helping, I wonder how could he be on the ball." So coincidentally, the next game I seen him play, it was some kid getting buckets. He was giving out buckets. And so Coach Glenn say, 
I told Donovan to guard him. I guess he was scared of the matchup. Yeah. So Donovan said, I right, let's let's make a switch. He held the kid scoreless for four minutes. And and the one shot he went up with, Donovan didn't block the ball. He snatched it at his hand. I said, it, it, it like his athleticism. And then he got one of the purest visions. He the one I always say passes without looking. He the no look passing uh Steve Nash and training right now. Like everything he does, he can't look when he's doing it. <laughs> he got that kind of flair, but it's effortlessly. And then the way he could we we know he could finish at the rim, could dump the ball with with ease, he could shoot. But the way he passes, it, it's still remarkable to see somebody pass that way. It's kind of ahead of – I think his vision is ahead of a lot of plays. He he don't put it where you're at. He does exactly what a guard's supposed to do. He put it where you need to be to the point where sometimes, you know, you're not going to always be in that place where he collect quick turnovers just because he see what could be made out of the play. That's why I really just want to see a bad call. Get him, give him a foul he don't deserve. Uh, I, 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 I want to see him get loose. I'm tired of seeing him <laughs> just play. He's too cool for me. He's too cool with that, with that kind of put like with that kind of skill. I want to see him fully break out. Well, you you know he's on the same team at Addicts with Jalen Carson, right? Uh huh. And that, so I think Jalen will break out enough for the both of them. That, man, to have him as your number two. Oh well, he's well. Yeah, they're they'll have Barnard. <laughs> you can argue, yeah, yeah, they'll what? have Bar- Well, in terms of talent, in terms of talent, I and I don't. I'm not trying to disparage. I'm not trying it's to such you a know, tough diminish team. Scott. Yeah, because yeah, Chris Bazanis um, is a tough team. According to Zoom, we got ten minutes. Um, uh, hold on a second. I'll upgrade it while we're going. Well, 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 I'll upgrade Zoom while we're while we're having our meeting. Um, I want to throw out Aiden Hayden Frank or Aiden Franks from the oh, early love, games. Love that kid. Yeah, you know, from a yeah. I look at it. We played him. You know, you look at a kid that scored the way he did against us. Um, shot the ball extremely well. He's a good shooter. Most of these guys know who he is. Most of the kids that I'm coaching know who he is. Some of them play with him in different capacities in different situations, you know, different scenarios. Uh, but just an effortless shooter, he, he, you know, for him, the thing is, is going to be his body, is, is maturity, physical maturity. Yeah. His, his father was a really good high school player at, at Twin Lakes back in, the, back in the 90s and actually a good official, too, until he moved out of state. Aiden is at Wapahani, and he – I mean, Wapahani has been very good lately. And he's going to be part of that mix this year. He's going to—I'll be surprised if he doesn't get some good varsity minutes as a sophomore, just because of the way he shoots it. I think yeah. defensively, right now with his physical size, with his size, will be an issue. Um, but if they can get him off screens and at, at this at this stage, get him three, four shots a game, maybe more. Hell, maybe he's getting three, four makes a game, you know, or at least on a somewhat regular basis. He's definitely a kid that can change the gravity of a defense and definitely, you know, and he dropped 25 on us. You know, we, it was a good game. We, we did have a couple guys not there this weekend. 
and the team we play was very motivated. It was the first chance we had all league so far to play somebody on our own age group. And our kid, the kids that we got just, you know, we struggled with some with our shot, but we didn't step up and those guys just kept playing. And Cooper being another good shooter from Noblesville, it will be a kid that gets the chance to probably dress varsity there. I'm projecting that at least. And then the Slogget twins from Lebanon, I would imagine both those guys will – I don't know what Lebanon's got coming back, but I imagine both those guys will be in mix for starting spots at Lebanon. And all four of those guys were, were really effective against us. And, and, and that's a group of sophomores that has done well in their pool games. And it was good seeing them play well uh, yesterday, which would have been their tougher pool game and then a, a game against the group that I've got. And they had a good day. And those guys played extremely well for us. So um, – Aiden Franks will go down as one of the better shooters in the league this year. And he proved it yesterday. Oh, without a so. doubt. Without a doubt. Um, anybody else before we move on to the older, um, the older kids? Y'all said every other one I hit. <laughs> so I'm, I'm good. Oh, you said, oh, I see you said anything. Okay. Well, JD lead us off for the night games. Um, get into some of those names. We've already talked about Connor Siegen. If you want to expand on that, you certainly can. Um, uh, but then let's let's go ahead and get into the night games and and you guys talk while I upgrade our account so we can have unlimited meeting. Yeah, um, I mean, as far as the seizure go, I don't want to go too too fine to it just because of, of the extent you did and you you hit every point that I, I could possibly make. Only thing I would say is that uh. No matter the level of competition in front of him, he he's the same guy. It's full throttle, and I think at this age, uh, it, it always talk, makes. Are you talking about Connor? Yeah, yeah. Okay, I'm sorry. I'm sorry. It all it always makes things of uh any competitive person. You you want to see that at all angles. Uh, so I I love to uh hear and see that from him. But the kids, the the guys that I got, uh, it was my first time seeing two of these guys. Uh, same team, Coach Turner, uh, DJ Hughes. Oh man, guy, Hank down low. A oh, Avance, Coach Avance's team. Yeah, yeah, that's what yeah, I mean. With DJ. That's, yeah, that's what I mean. That's what I mean. Avance team. I re, you know, I talked about uh Shamai Avance uh. At one point, I never seen DJ Hughes. I never seen DJ Hughes. That kid is a tank. Uh, very coachable, very coachable. I was listening to uh, just the small things that Avance would tell him. Uh, he said, "Stop playing at the rim. You got to be mad at the rim." I didn't see. I didn't see Hughes take a layup after that. Every everything was a dunk. I was I was impressed at then switching out on defense on smaller guys, getting every rebound, um, the help defense um to protect the rim. Smart passer doesn't go, he doesn't go out of his way to make sure he does something spectacular. He just plays within himself, within the team. Uh, the next guy on their team really impressed me as well. Jaden Brewer. Mm-hmm. Um, 
it was times where they ISO him, and whatever shot that he wanted was the shot that he was getting on top of him dunking it on your head if you jump with him. Uh, I, I, yeah, I was, Brewer's known for Brewer's. If if there's anything he's known for, it's it's the fact that he's he likes dunking on people, and he certainly has the athletic, the explosiveness and the yeah the length to get that done. So and he was daring he was daring you to jump with him. He was daring you to jump with him, but it 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 was so uh impressive just seeing him use every tool in his bag to go to work with. Um, I seen him knock down shots. We already talked about uh the dunking. The crossover moves was getting him to the uh cup to get easy layups or dump it off to Hughes, who you don't want to jump with him either. Uh, and then my last guy, uh, they went against they went against advanced team. Um, Jordan Turner, um, Indianapolis Cardinal Ritter. Okay. I, I, I I'm really impressed with similar uh, to a lot of guys I talk about. Don't go out his way to not play the way that he know how. Very tough guy. He goes after every rebound, playing the guard position, and he gives it a good try. I didn't know he could uh, jump the way that he could until I seen him try to dunk on somebody in a very nasty way. <laughs> uh, great passer. I, I love the vision that he have. It's, it's, I think, might be his, the strongest part of his game. He can get to the rim. He can finish. But the vision that he has allows everybody around him to benefit. And you know, uh when in a league like this where you know you're going against other uh top guys and you just want to show you compete, you do whatever you can to do that in a scoring way to say, yeah, I can get a bucket when you get a bucket. He doesn't go out his way to get the bucket. He's trying to make sure everybody else can feed can can eat. He rather feed everybody else. Uh very impressive to me. I, I really, I really like uh, all three of them. What uh, Caleb any crossover there, and then go on with your names. Um, I mean personally, I I, I saw maybe uh, a little bit of what JD uh, saw from the evening games, but not uh, to an insane amount. Uh, I, I saw a lot of different guys. I uh, saw a lot of different games in the evening, and uh, I I'll start off with. Um, at five o'clock, I saw Swanner, um, McCorkle versus Clark. And uh, I'll tell you, I know, I believe we talked about him last week a little bit, but I really think he needs to be brought up in more of a specific manner is Chandler Jackson. I mean, that kid is a really solid cutter. He's very good off the ball, um, has a terrific three-point shot. I mean, that was, I, I personally have only seen Chandler Jackson play twice uh, and maybe for like half. And then maybe for, um, I mean, like maybe a full game. Uh, the full game, it was like, yeah, you know, the kid's very talented, but it's like, when is he actually going to start being aggressive in with that talent? And then I was like, okay, you know, I watched him in a half. I was like, yeah, he's got potential. But then I saw him, you know, at five o'clock against Swanner and it's like, okay, the package is there. 
right? He's got good length. He can shoot over guys. He, he had a really couple really nice fadeaways. Uh, just overall can give you a, a ton of, you know, skills in that package. Uh, I also thought from the six o'clock game, I was really uh, liking AJ Tillman from coach Busick. Uh, AJ, Younger. I, yep. yes, yes. Uh, ridiculous athleticism, uh, very solid uh, range, I, like almost like right above the free throw line. Like, uh, like he doesn't have, I wouldn't say he wasn't showing off a three, uh, but he had a really good, like mid range, high mid range, uh, and then just had phenomenal abilities to crash the glass uh, and honestly dominate uh, the team that he played, Coach Turner on the glass, it didn't feel like anybody uh, had an answer for him. Uh, I got to see Cart, uh, sorry, Centers versus Smith. Obviously, you know, Braden Smith, you, you, we know what he can do. Uh, you know, he's a great, uh, great rhythm, great vision, uh, phenomenal uh, pressure in full court with the terrific shot. But, but I also thought, uh, Jim, that, that Jasper Campbell played really well. Uh, he, he looked really good, uh, in the evening game, uh, him and, and Braden had terrific chemistry. Uh, and obviously when you have a playmaker like Braden Smith, I mean, he, he can always make everybody look better, but I mean, some of the things that Jasper was doing, you don't do just because of the playmaking, you know, you, you do because you set the right screens you do because, uh, you're aggressive and rebounding. You do it because you, you know, and I think Campbell just showed that in a big time way, uh, when they really needed him. And I also thought that uh, Jake uh, Moynian, Moynian, Moynihan, Moynihan, thank you, yep. thank you. Uh, I'm really a big fan of him uh, because he's got great size and he's extremely comfortable with playing in and out. And I liked the way that he complimented uh, Jasper. Jasper being more of a role guy from what I was able to see. You know, Jake was able to, you know, get to the paint if need be, but. Uh, had a tendency to be able to come in and, and hit the corner three or, or hit that uh, high level mid range. And, you know, they, they have great uh, court spreading in, in terms of how they space the floor. It, it's a team that I think will be very interesting come tournament play. And then I also saw uh, Adams and Stowers at eight o'clock. Uh, mm -hmm. I know we touched on them a little bit, uh, but uh, Donovan Marnett, man, uh, really, really, uh, you know, loved his de defense. Uh, great instincts off the ball. Uh, the kid, the kid has a lot of talent. I'll, I'll be curious to see how that comes out in uh, at Christmas. And I also thought Keyshawn Taylor uh, from Park Tudor was really good. I uh, had good. again really uh, great passing. Uh, I thought he had uh, some moments where you know he could really show off his length, his wingspan uh, as an on-ball defender. Uh, he he's got a lot of talent to look for. Uh, and, you know, something that I think will be interesting to keep an eye on uh, moving forward is they also brought in Jalen Hooks. Uh, mm -hmm. and, and I thought that made a terrific difference for their team because they had the athleticism, obviously. I mean, Carson, Barnett, you know, those guys are athletic. But when you can get a big guy like Hooks, it, it really changes how they play. It changes how they play. It changes how they are on the glass. And Hooks made a terrific, really massive difference out there for Coach Dowers. And, uh, you know, there's there plenty to like in, in that game as well. A couple things on uh, Hooks, who is, in my opinion, he's, he's the, the top player in the class of 2023. Um, skilled kid that's, 
you know, six, seven, getting close to six, eight. He bounced off a of DJ Hughes in their earlier game, literally just bounced off of him. And he was, he was trying to make a cut. And I think DJ just decided I'm a senior, you're a sophomore and I'm kind of putting you down. And it underscored the, the size difference between a sophomore and a senior, especially when you're talking about DJ's going to Butler. Uh, Hooks is going to be recruited at that level, has already started pulling in a couple of high major offers. We'll, we'll certainly pull in more. And But physically, just the difference between those two kids, because basically we look yeah. at Hooks as sort of a man-child, as sort of a physical difference maker in that sophomore class. But then when he ran into Hughes and went right, he just kind of crumbled into the ground. And it was just, I don't think Jalen was anticipating the bump. Uh, but it is the this size difference between the, a senior and a sophomore. And it's something that I try to underscore with our guys a lot is that sometimes it's not just about talent. Now, Hughes is obviously talented. Sometimes it's not just about talent, but it's about toughness. It's about being the guy that makes contact first. Some, you know, and DJ Hughes decided I'm making contact first and, and Hooks kind of bounced off of him. So I thought that was interesting because Jalen usually has a size advantage when he plays and, uh, and that, and that, specific matchup he certainly did not so um, well, I know we I know we mentioned him a little bit last week I, I I really he really stuck out to me last week I mean the you know Hughes is like the Colomac uh, you know that's that's all I can think of when I watch that yeah, play. He, he just bulldozes people he just has a, a really he just has a, a body that's just uh, you, you stick out there. You know, at first I saw him play and I was like, oh my gosh. I was like, we might be, we might be looking at a little <laughs> back type of guy on the basketball court. Uh, but because he's just so big, he's so strong and uh, he knows how to use it well. well he, he, yeah, he, he'll be a kid that his body will change at Butler and he'll be the better for it. He'll, he's going to be a versatile forward for them yeah, and a kid that I think can stretch the floor a little bit at the four spot. And probably strong enough to guard a lot of centers in, in the Big East, but I think primarily he'll he'll play the four and he'll be extremely skilled at it. And as his body changes and he even becomes more explosive, um, I, I think that's a. I mean, I've I said it when he committed to Butler; it was a big commitment for them, just from the standpoint that uh, he he's definitely complete. He was definitely completing a recruiting class from a size perspective, from a position perspective for Butler, but also another kid from, from Marion County that Butler hadn't been snagging for a while. Now here they had Fuse, they had Jaden Taylor, who's not in the league. And then they had Pierce Thomas as well from Brownsburg. You know, that's, that's as good of a local recruiting class as Butler's had in a long time. So um, a couple of filler points on Moynihan and, and Jasper Campbell. Campbell's part of that Shenandoah team that I yeah. referred to earlier. Yeah. So, yeah. you know, he's – now Michael Howard will be eligible this year, so he'll get a chance to play. But Campbell was the one kid on that team that gave them any sort of semblance of, of size, unless there's somebody there that I'm missing. Um, so his development, his ability to play off ball screens, his ability to score at different levels of the floor will be a big factor for him. And I, you know, as good of a season as Jasper had as a sophomore, I think he'll have an even bigger one as a junior, even, even with as many options as they've got. And then Moynihan, you guys had mentioned him. He He's one of the state's leading rebounders and he rebounds at every level. I mean, rebounding usually translates, it usually translates up. And he's a kid that he's got a good motor. He does have three point range. 
He's probably not a guy that drives, so he's probably more of a pick and catch guy as opposed to a catch sweep and drive guy, at least at a, you know, at a college level. But I do like that he can stretch the floor a little bit. And I also like that he's not afraid to, to still post catch, make and make and take contact and, and finish plays. So um, I, I wanted to move over back to coach Clark's team. We, you, it wasn't, I was talking with other people, a couple of people in the stands that I talk to on a regular basis. And, you know, what's nice about these cross pool games is we, we match the top teams in each pool. So that, that last game of the day was super hyper competitive, you know, and, and you're getting, you know, you get a fan, a fan gets ejected. Coaches are heated. Coaches are coaching. We've got two college officials ref in that game. Um, So we know we've got good officials, but at the same time, you look at the talent on the names on coach Turner's team versus the name on coach Clark's team. And that ends up being a one point game that is decided on the final possession, which is essentially decided on a, a free throw lane violation. Yeah. It was actually things. going Clark's way. It was going. <laughs> yeah. And you know, they were at the team. line. They were at I the line. That and that's where I'm going with it. JD is, these are the kids. So Chandler Jackson is probably their biggest name and in large part because he's like the one long skilled. Yeah. Although Deontay yeah. changes that Deontay going there changes that, but he's Jackson was the one kid among all those just swath of guards that roll through Warren central. Jackson was the one kid that gave them some length that gave them some size. Now Davis is there. McNary has transferred over. Um, so they've got a lot more size than what they're accustomed to. But Chandler Jackson, also 6'5", being an outstanding shooter. Yeah. Um, of course, Malik yeah. Stanley is too. But it would also give Malik and Sean Black, and another name I'm going to mention here in a minute or talk about more, Malik Dadell, just some more room to penetrate and make plays. And yeah. Chandler Jackson was the, the one guy, that group, that was sort of regarded as the shooter. I don't know. he's not. He's more than just that. But yeah. definitely a kid that's, you know, that's lethal from the three-point line. But, but then the other three guys that I want to talk about on their team, Aaron Clark, which I'm he assuming is Coach, yeah, Coach Clark's son, Malik Dowdell from Warren Central. He had 23 in that yep. final game against Turner's group. And then Jordan Bowles, who's at Park Tudor. All of those guys are talented. All those guys are going to play in college. All of them are completely unheralded. Um, a little bit under the radar, all of them play with a chip on their shoulder. And it's been fun watching them for two years play in the league um, because they play together. They, they create havoc on defense. They attack on yeah. offense. And they're unselfish, yeah. you know. And, and, and sure, in a fall league, you're going to make bad decisions. You know, in a fall league, you're going you're gonna to try to do something because you're, you're testing it out. Or you're, you know, so there's going to be some sloppiness. You, there's – no one's out there running a system. Uh, maybe some of the teams are that, that come in as teams, but and they're one of them. But the the chip on their shoulder, the the attitude, the the toughness, the, the basically just fu mode for lack dog of a better. Mentality. I you know, and that's did you say dog mentality? Dog mentality. I love and that. And that's yeah. And it's there's nothing wrong with that. So it's. It was fun watching that game play out. I, I knew it would be competitive. I certainly thought it would be competitive, and I'm glad it was because 
you know, at the end of the day, the, the teams that have won this league have been the teams who has the better sixth, seventh, and eighth guys. It's not always been the team with the best five or the best two or three or whatever. It's always been the teams that that have no bad players or not bad players, but have no players who don't who don't know how to make things work in in this environment. And and I think next week as as they go through bracket play, I mean they could easily lose their first round. Well, maybe not their first round, but they could definitely win it. And it'll be fun. Next week will be competitive, especially those semifinal and final games as we get later into the evening. And um, I, I, I like how tough Coach Clark's kids te- kids are. And, and one of them, I'm pretty sure, is his son, Aaron. So, yeah, so Aaron Clark, Malik Dowdell, and Jordan Bowles are three names that, you know, people need to look forward to this, this winter because they're all going to be uh, – juniors and seniors that that compete and put up numbers at the varsity level so any um anything else before i throw out one more name that we that we've yet to mention tonight uh um, i believe you got i believe you got your guys i don't think you've said yours yet uh no nah, i went got, first i went first he went, he, he oh, went okay, first okay. yeah he gotcha. went first okay. okay um the way in which leland walker took over the final three minutes of that game last night whoo um I mean, everybody knows Leland, so we we don't need to belabor the point. Yeah, but he took it over. He scored from all all three levels, and the the game what ended up being the game winning basket was him <laughs> cr- crossing his man, getting into the paint, changing directions in the paint, getting fouled, and and having the strength and the composure or the the body control, excuse me, the the strength and body control to finish. Um, at an angle, like he it wasn't like he was clean. I mean, he definitely was bumped. Um, Did he go behind his back on that finish? I think he he went behind the back getting there. He he went behind the back in the lane. Yeah, he crossed his man. <laughs> That's what I'm saying. Key, and then he got in the paint. The help lifted up. He went behind his back, changed directions again, or he changed directions behind his back, took contact. Amazing. And finished off balance, was still with enough body control to put him up one. Now he missed the free throw. <laughs> um, but then Clark's team came down and got fouled with, what, 1.5 seconds left? Or it was yeah, – actually, it was it kind was of an ugly – It was kind of an ugly couple of possessions because there was some screw-up on the inbounds play. Did somebody touch the ball or not touch the ball? Um, there was a foul. There was a lane violation. The the refs had to get involved for sure at the end. I'm pretty sure Bo Borowski <laughs> had to go over to the monitor and check things. Um, that's an inside joke with well with everybody who watches college basketball. But and Bo's a local guy who's a friend, and I'm, he's probably going to kill me now for making fun of it a little bit. But but Bo had to go check the monitor. Um, it was it was fun to watch it from a competitive standpoint because I didn't care mm-hmm. who won. And but Leland man was special in the final three minutes. I mean, he was good he throughout was. the game, but he was just like, I'm putting this team on my shoulders and we're winning the damn game. And, and they did, they had, you know, they had a little luck on their side, but they, they won the game and, and Leland was spectacular. So. Um, Him and BJ it. Smith had that terrific three as well. The, the one yeah, that kind of clutch. That was, that was a massive three. I, I was yeah. like, wow. See, that's the, of- and he, that's the deal where he's wearing the t-shirts and then I'm not sure who exactly he is. Yeah, <laughs> that's, that's another. But that's another. Um, let me double check. That's another Attic's kid. 
Yeah, it is. You know, so, you know, look, I, both you guys are downtown, close to downtown. You need you need to get over to some Christmas Attics games. I'll be there. And if COVID, yeah. if COVID makes it tough, I mean, Caleb definitely will be able to get in. He's with the star. Um, but, you know, we'll work on making sure J.D. gets media credentials for anything he wants to do from a high school perspective. But but they're real close. You'll love the gym. You'll love the environment, the history of that of the history of that program. Um, I, I I've enjoyed the three times I've been there since Coach Hawkins has been there and um, looking forward to when Carmel plays down there. And that's my one Carmel plug of the of the podcast. So anything else before we wrap this part? Nah, I'm all good. You all good? Caleb, uh, tell us a little bit about where we can catch your other work. Yeah, um, you can catch my work uh, through social media, through the Indie Uh Uh-oh, he freezes up right when we say it. Bro, Caleb Caleb, uh, is covering high school football right now. and and high school. I'm also doing some things for the ride. (laughs) Caleb, you were on – you were a little – your internet connection was a little uh, fried there for that, for your uh, bio. He, he oh. works the Indianapolis star covering uh, high school sports right now, helping them out. And he is, uh, he was doing uh, volleyball regionals, right? Yes. And yes. you're covering high school football. Yep. That's the plan. And then, then uh, you've got the running hook podcast with JD. Yeah. As, as part of that group and JD, go ahead and tell us where we can find your stuff. Um, as you said, part of on the Running Hood Podcast Network. Um, another one, Facts and Stats, JD Hall, uh, Spotify, Apple, uh, Google Podcasts, uh, it, it, everything of that nature. <laughs> yep. And that's where we are right now is record and put it out there in many, many places as we can get it. And it's Facts and Stats. Yeah, Facts and Stats by JD Hall. And uh, we'll, we'll get those links as we did last week in the show notes. And you guys are getting some good reviews from the fans, at least. Um, yeah. Well, and from it me, was crazy. Some came up uh, to me uh, yesterday. Uh, a coach did a couple of uh, a couple of players noticed me, uh, followed me on social media immediately yep. after I said something during the game. I'm like. That was weird. And then uh, it was just a couple people that uh, walked past, like, I know what you do now. Because a couple times they asked me what I was doing now. I'm like, I'm just watching. I'm just watching the game. <laughs> yeah, that's the – and they'll, they'll try to get in your ear and influence you a little bit and, and do a little pitching, do a little selling. But they're – it's a good group. Basketball community in, in this state is outstanding and and uh, love watching the kids, love the, the support from the parents and – and, and you can see it gets emotional. It gets competitive. Like, you know, we had a parent get kicked out last night and yeah. it just was, but it subsides. And then we come back another day and we compete one more Sunday left. My guys, we are, uh, we go into our bracket play next week. Um, pretty much same format. The, the earlier we are, the, the younger, the group of kids are the older, the later we go, the, the older it gets. And, and but but we've got good basketball throughout the day and and as we get later in the night uh they, they get a little bit more important so then we wrap it up and then we got a week until high school basketball starts after that so or at least practice wise so if all goes well with covid so or well if all goes yeah well maybe overstating it but but um 
hopefully high school basketball has the same success that high school football has been having. So, yeah. That guy, is that it for that for now? That's all from me. That's Good deal, me. man. Cool. Guy, I'll see you guys next Sunday. And for those that are listening uh, on, on uh, listening to the podcast, we appreciate you listening. Take care. Yeah.